Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Listen, I, I, I believe in Colin Kaepernick, and he deserves every chance in the world to become a quarterback in the National Football League. I still stand by it. If our coaches and general managers want to bring him in or want him to be the quarterback on this team, I would welcome him with open arms. That was four weeks ago. Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, opening the door for his football team if the coach and the GM so desire to take a closer look at Colin Kaepernick. And this one came out of the blue on Wednesday afternoon, the Las Vegas Raiders working out Colin Kaepernick. The first workout he has received since becoming a free agent in 2017. Not a single team had even brought him in for a workout. The Seahawks brought him in for a visit, no workout. And the conclusion was, well, he's a starting quarterback in this league. We have a starting quarterback, so we have no use for him. Never mind the whole always compete motto that the Seahawks embrace. Always compete, except at the quarterback position where we have some concern that there'd be some guys in the locker room that would think Colin Kaepernick is better than our current starter, and then we'd have a problem. That's why the Seahawks didn't want anything to do with Colin Kaepernick in 2017. That's the truth there. I don't know why they don't want anything to do with him now because he'd be the best option they have, quite frankly, if he had a chance to learn the offense and get up to speed. If he still has the abilities he had five years ago, he's better than Geno Smith and Drew Locke right now, I think. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me. But well, they mean, should yeah, right least, now. I totally. They should at least bring him in. Yeah, but they should yeah. at least bring him in and see what he can do. Well, at I, least bring him in and see what he can do. Sure. I, I, I'm like at, you know. I'm. It's awesome day that this is happening. I mean, it's well, well overdue. No, I'm not ready to join you in that. He's better than Geno Smith and Drew Locke at this point right now. No, de- definitely not ready to say that. Does he have the potential to be better than them? Certainly, we know that for sure. Yes, no doubt about it. But. You know, again, this is a little bit more than just, hey, getting back and riding on the bike here and like, oh, I got it, no problem. 
This is like we've never seen a quarterback take this amount of time off or have this amount of time off and go this long. So that's where it's different. And we didn't see- do it on didn't did, did do it by choice though. That's well, I, that's I, I the know. problem I keep having with this. He's he's harmed by his absence, but his absence was wrongfully imposed upon him. And we had this conversation a couple of years ago. There's a certain point where he's out for so long. He's no longer desirable, but it's not his fault that he's been out for so long. No, no, I know it, it is. It's like, you know, the, the cart or the horse or the chicken or the egg. I know it's, it's bullcrap. It's totally bullcrap from that standpoint, 100%. But the fact of the matter is we see quarterbacks every year who miss two or three weeks and then it takes them a few weeks to get back going again and playing good. Or I mean, we saw Russell Wilson this year miss a few games, come back. I know he wasn't totally 100% when he came back, but really – was not himself for five or six weeks because of the absence. So that that's that's where I'm saying. But as far as the story itself and him getting the chance to work out, I mean, come on. He's been screwed over like nobody else in the history of football from that standpoint. You know, and 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 it's great that he's finally gonna get this chance. It really is. It's it's well, well, long, long overdue. The Raiders have several other quarterbacks on the roster. They acquired Jarrett Stidham from the Patriots two weeks ago. Yeah. They also have Nick Mullins and Chase Garbers behind starter Derek Carr. And look, I don't view this as the ideal fit for what Colin Kaepernick wants to do. Because he said this on the I Am Athlete podcast a few weeks back, and I thought that maybe it would hurt him in getting an opportunity. Because he said, I'm willing to come in on basically the ground floor. It's not an exact quote, but close enough. And then when I prove I'm good enough, become the starter. And there was a presumptuousness to that that could turn a team off. Because as we've said, there's two types of backups. The backup who knows he's there solely to be supportive and ready to go in the event the starter gets injured. And the backup who is there to try to knock the starter off his perch. Now, look, in in Las Vegas, they – they're behind Derek Carr for now. That contract that he signed really gives the team a lot of freedom if yeah. he chooses to exercise it after this year. Remains to be seen whether the team will. There's no reason at this point to think it will. We talked about that when the contract details came out. But it it doesn't seem like a place where there's an opportunity for Colin Kaepernick if all of a sudden he shows up and it's this meteoric rise and he and he's, oh my God, look how great he's playing. Maybe he'll be the starter. They're not going to put him on the field instead of Derek Carr. So... I think what this does is it's it's the it's the first toe in the water. Sure. And maybe it gives other teams that would have greater needs at the position a cover. Yeah. Or at least an example. Sure. The world didn't end. Right. The right. Are still you, you, a team. You, you, There's no there your wasn't season tickets weren't this. all yeah. cancer. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So so and and that that's that's the potential benefit. To it, and that's why I admire Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels for doing this because I don't think they really need him, but they've opened the door for the teams that maybe do to follow them through it. Yeah, they break the ice, they break the barriers. No, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm with you. This is, I think, one great for the NFL. It is great for the Raiders, a hundred percent. No doubt about that. I think it's it's actually. Like even bet the best person that benefits from it from anybody is Josh McDaniels, in my opinion. You want to like endear yourself to the locker room and get street credit? 
you're working out Colin Kaepernick and you might sign him and you're the first coach to do that, damn, he's going he's gonna to have guys in his locker room that might have been like giving them a side eye or how's this new New England way that are now going to go into his corner and be like, all right, Josh McDaniels is cool with me. This is a big move that he's even given this guy a chance when the rest of the NFL won't. So that's where it's cool. And then I think on the football field, like you said it, right? I mean, Kaepernick's got to just be happy to get in a building and get somewhere first. Let's just dip the toe in. Let's get going. Let's not talk about being a starter or a second string or anything like that. Let's just get in, get playing, show them you're a team guy. And this is a place to me that I do look at, Mike, I think, where, you know, you were kind of saying it, where, yeah, like they have a Stidham and a Mullins. Okay, great. They can play and, you know, they've got a little experience if we need them. But you're not blown away and going, oh, man, they're definitely our backups and we trust them with everything. And Kaepernick, we know, has the type of talent to where he can maybe get to that point. And that's where I think it's it's actually smart in, in all areas for the Raiders. And I give them a lot of credit, too. But I think it makes sense even football-wise for them. And it really is amazing it took five years for it to happen. The NFL set up that group workout November of 2019. Both sides were to blame, I believe, in the failure of that to proceed as scheduled. There was some language on a release, on a waiver for presumably any physical injuries that would happen. Kaepernick's camp interpreted it more broadly that the NFL was trying to get a silver bullet for a potential follow-up to the collusion lawsuit that resulted in a payment between 5 and $10 million to Colin Kaepernick because they did collude against him in violation of the CBA. And I think that neither side trusted the other, and that's the reason why it fell apart. So they both had dirt on their hands for that one. Yeah. I mean, but I'm still, not surprised. That like he I hasn't said got at the time, yeah. like like I said at the time, any team could bring him for a workout at any time, but no one wants to do it because yeah. you run the risk of immediately activating 30 percent of your fan base against you because they hate Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem. They refuse to accept why. They refuse to acknowledge that it was a proper exercise of his rights. They refuse to acknowledge that it was within the confines of the rules of the NFL, the rules of the NFL, the NFL created the rule requiring players to be on the sideline, but not requiring them to stand for the national anthem. They allowed that defect in the way they wrote the rule. They wrote the rule. Someone committed malpractice in writing that rule to allow that loophole. So he was fully within his rights to not stand, but there are folks who refuse to accept the fact that you know, at a time when we're talking so much about the Second Amendment, oh, I know, a lot of people know. don't. Not a lot of people. A lot of people don't have much regard for the First Amendment. Chris. I, well, hey, I love the hypocrisy and radical is crazy in our country. It's it's. Uh, I'm okay to be radical here, but there, how dare you be radical? Uh, that that's it's it's where it's all over the place there. That map. But I'm not surprised you didn't get a shot again. I'm not. I was one of those that I'm no joke, Mike. You can go back and look for some of the reasons you're saying here where when he kneeled, this will be his last year in the NFL. I said it all the time at the time because we know that the NFL is very political and right-wingish that way, and it just wasn't going to fly with some of the owners, Jerry Jones, et cetera. I, I I never, I really, I didn't think we would ever actually get to the point we're at today. I'm not, and I think uh, I think a lot of things had to happen to finally get it there, and I think really for the NFL, this would be a good thing right now, where they're taking haymakers about all certain types of subject from everywhere right now. 
this is one where maybe you get the goodwill of the people back on your side a little bit here, and I think that's really where it's good. I, 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 I do want to ask you this, Mike. Like, I don't know. I mean, does it? do they put more pressure on them? Do you have to sign them now that you worked them out? And I, I, I've thought about that too. Like, you put tremendous pressure on yourself now that you've, you know, it's out there. He's worked out for you. And now I feel like there's so much pressure to, okay, sign him. Let him have his next chance here. Let him go into OTAs and, and get some reps. Don't you feel like there's going to be that pressure there from the Raiders now, though? Yes, I do. Yeah. But I look at their roster. They got four quarterbacks. Five, unless one of your guys is injured and not participating, five is a lot to have. Four is the right number when you have 90 guys on the roster and you're trying to distribute the footballs to the various running backs, receivers, and tight ends during the reps you're taking and all the various drills that happen. So somebody would have to go. Would Chase Garber go? Would Nick Mullins go? Jarrett Stidham just got there and they had to give up low-end draft pick compensation to get him, and there's familiarity there between Stidham and the coaching staff. So... I think that I think that when you step into that spotlight of working out Colin Kaepernick, number yeah, one, right. you're going to potentially activate a loud minority of your fan base on one side, and then if you don't sign him, you potentially activate a loud minority or a potentially loud minority of your fan base on the other side. Now, I think and, – and this is odd to me, and I thought of this earlier. When Colin Kaepernick had his grievance against the NFL, it – occurred through the same type of process that the NFL always tries to force cases into more on that coming up. But this is all under the CBA. When a player has a claim like this, it goes under the CBA. And it is an agreement between the union and the league that there'll be an arbitration. And it's not open and public like a court proceeding. But some things did trickle out. Some things made their way out, even though they, they kind of weren't supposed to. And one thing the NFL did, we reported on this at the time, The NFL did some surveys, some polling. They did some studies. And the the group that was anti-Kaepernick from the fan base was the same size as the group that was pro-Kaepernick. They just chose to defer to the anti-Kaepernick crowd. Well, they were louder. That's right. And they they huffed and puffed and, and... and really did kind of blow the house down a little bit. Definitely did. Numbers Definitely. were down 2016 and 17. Yeah. So right. that that's that's it the water's pil- edge. It became political. I mean, it became Ge- all about the, the politics. Whole, the whole Jerry Jones, no news is bad news. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it, the, the, the edge of that is we, we, we would just as soon turn the page on this whole national anthem thing. And, and it did hurt the NFL's business. The the percentage on the other side of the equation didn't do as much damage to the bottom line as the anti-Kaepernick. Well, they didn't have the president on their side either fanning the fuels, fanning the the fire with fuel at the time. That was the other issue as well. I mean, our president was, you know, fanning the flames there and making it worse. And, of course, calling the players, you know, sons of bitches and, you know, people who were saying, you know, Nazi things. Hey, they're good dudes, (laughs) good people over there. So, yeah, that, that kind of pissed some people off and caused, caused some divides. During that time, he did the deal with Nike that went well, yeah. and his jersey continued to be among the highest selling in the NFL after he was out of the league for a season or right. two. That was amazing, and it occurred to me yesterday, you get a Kaepernick Raiders jersey? What? Seven's available. Seven's what? available what? on the roster. You get seven yeah. Kaepernick 
in silver and black. Ooh. Holy crap. Right. You want to make money, NFL? I, I suppose you want to make money. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I don't know. They probably don't want to get slaughtered on this issue. But you want to make some money, you get a Raiders jersey out there with Kaepernick. I wouldn't be surprised if people are already ordering personalized Kaepernick 7 Raiders jerseys. I, I wouldn't either. I mean, it, you know, again, it, it would fit the mantra of the Raiders. You know, just this from what we know about them through time. You know, not afraid to take a chance on a guy that's, you know, maybe a little controversial or whatever. And, yes, I mean, they kind of have that street cred about them anyways. I mean, really, they do. As far as, you know, it's it's when they were the L.A. Raiders, right? There was, like, you know, a lot of the rappers and everybody else would wear their stuff. It, it's People want to wear silver and black. It's, it's cool. It looks cool when you wear it out, whatever. And then you add in the, the significance of the Colin Kaepernick situation, yeah, I think you're going to get a demographic, a demographic and, and a gr- bunch of people in our country that are going to go, you know what, I'm going to go to the Raiders or I'm going to get that jersey. I'm going to jump on. I like what they're doing. I mean, the Raiders, you know, this is what, two, two out of the last three years, two years in a row, Carl Nassib, you know, supporting him. That became a huge jersey sell. sell. And then now Colin Kaepernick. I mean, uh, this is where I'll give Mark Davis some credit. He's, he's certainly breaking down some barriers as far as the NFL old world thoughts. It just turned out yesterday, and this is the weirdest of coincidences. Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the new general manager of the Vikings. Yeah. I interviewed him starting at 3.30 Eastern time. And at the tail end of that, about 10, 5 minutes to 4 o'clock Eastern, I asked him about Colin Kaepernick because his first year in the NFL, 2013, yeah. Adolfo Mensa, San Francisco 49ers, he walks through the door. They're coming off of a Super Bowl appearance where they almost beat the Ravens. Colin Kaepernick is the starting quarterback. Your guy, Ron Jaworski, telling the world that Kaepernick may end up being the best quarterback of all time. He's a year away from getting a huge contract. He's firmly entrenched as a starter. He torches the Packers week one for 400-plus passing yards when they try to take away the run. And then they get together in the postseason on one of the coldest days ever at Lambeau Field. The 49ers go in there and win again. Yeah. Listen to Adolfo Mensa talking about Colin Kaepernick when I asked him specifically about what, what his take is on why it's been so long for Kaepernick to get an opportunity. You know, look, I, I don't want to speak for Colin, um, so I can't speak to the time or the absence uh, of, you know, him being sort of on the scene. I can only talk about my time in the building with him. And I can tell you that, you know, I remember we played Green Bay on the road at Green Bay my first year there. Uh, I forget how cold it was, but it's unbelievably cold. And it's pregame warmups. He comes out for the huddle and he flips off the jacket, short sleeves. And I never, I remember turning to whoever I was with and I was like, we're winning this game. And you talk about leadership and following somebody through something. That's where that stamped to me who he was. And he's still got that. And I think he's got even more credibility as a leader now than he did nine years ago. If he gets an opportunity, if he earns an opportunity, if he ends up on a playing field at some point. But that struck me. And that was like five minutes literally before the news broke. Like after the news broke, the Vikings texted me like, did you know what was going on? Is that why you asked that question? Like, no, I just no. It's just the stupidest, weirdest throwing of a dart that that I've uh, ever experienced, I think, or at least that I can remember, which isn't saying all that much. So um, they're. 
there were some good things that Colin Kaepernick did. Once no the doubt. 49ers fired Jim Harbaugh and thought it would be a good idea to make Jim Tom Sula the head coach and then thought it would be a good idea to make Chip Kelly the head coach, that's when everything fell apart. That's when this team that was moving back toward NFL royalty was plunged into dysfunction and they dragged Colin Kaepernick with them. So there's plenty of people out there that point to his final season and they get granular with some of the stats. Look, number one, he went into the final offseason with three different injuries that required surgery. Right. He wasn't benched for Blaine Gabbert. He wasn't healthy when the season started. Bench, uh, Blaine Gabbert was benched for him. Right. They weren't and that he, good. And his, and his numbers, under the circumstances, weren't, weren't bad. bad. What was he it? didn't 16, have around him. 16 and 4, right? Am I right? I mean, I, I, 16 I need... touchdown passes, 4 interceptions. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, and man, if, if you really listen to the critics then, it, you would have thought it was six, 6 touchdowns and 16 interceptions because there was just, you know, the public hate on him. But, Mike, I mean, I'm, uh, I'll definitely second you. I mean, Colin Kaepernick went through a two or three year period where he was one of the five, six best quarterbacks in football, period. Again, he was electrifying. He was doing things that we had not seen in the history of the NFL. He was kind of doing Lamar Jackson-ish stuff with Greg Roman, you know, before Lamar Jackson. We were all going, wait, okay, there was Shanahan with the RG3 thing, and then Colin Kaepernick with Greg Roman and the 49ers. This is the first time we saw, like, whoa, what are these cool plays where they run the quarterback and, like, there's misdirection and, wow, whoa, I don't know how teams are going to stop this. Well, you're going to have to put the extra guy in the box because of the quarterback run. It became a thing because of his skill set. They had a schematical advantage that no, most teams or no teams in football had because of him, let alone to what you're saying, too, is he's big and he has an incredibly, and still does, I'm sure, incredibly strong arm, like incredibly strong arm. Like, definitely one of the strongest arms in football. So it made no sense football-wise for him to be out of the league. He was out of the league for one reason, and that was because he took the knee, and then nobody wanted to deal with the backlash and everything you've talked about. De uh, Josh, Josh McDaniels, guess what he likes? He likes quarterbacks that are big, that can stand in the pocket and throw lasers around the field like Tom Brady. And that's where I look at it and go, Kaepernick, he has a good workout with this group of backups that are there. That it's okay, yeah, Jared Stidham knows our system, but whoopity do. Okay, Nick Mullins, we know what he is. He's he's a third string quarterback, really. You know, Kaepernick, you go, damn, we can make him third string, maybe halfway through the year, he's ready to be the backup. Gosh, if we got late in the year, maybe he is our best option if Derek Carr got hurt in a game. I mean, so that's where this could go, and I'm I'm hoping it does go that way. It was a game in New England on a Sunday night, 2012, oh, right after I was the Newtown there. school shooting, mm -hmm. where Kaepernick came in and kicked the crap out of the Patriots in prime time, ran up a big lead, Patriots came back, right. and Kaepernick still pulled it out in the, the end. Right, yeah. And, and that was, my God, that was 2012. That was the year that Alex Smith has a concussion. Kaepernick comes in. Right. Alex Smith said he's done. That's it. Yeah. Once Kaepernick started playing. Yeah. Bye bye, Alex Smith. You're getting traded after the season. Hello, Colin Kaepernick. It took him all the way to the Super Bowl. It was amazing. But that was what it was like a rainy night in December. Yep. And 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 he was phenomenal. And Josh McDaniels witnessed that.
No doubt. Witnessed it. I mean, it's, it's one of those. Was he with them in 2012? Uh, yeah, yes. Was he back? Yes, I think he was yeah. just coming back. I, I do. Yes, I think you're right. He'd just come back there, so he did get to witness that. And, yeah, I mean, hey, they, listen, that was a special team. You know, that, that's one you've heard me kind of wax poetically about that 49er team. It's still one of the best-looking teams I've ever seen in my life. And then when you put him at quarterback with as freaky as he was, you went, whoa. I mean, they, they, were, they were special. And, yeah, he was fearless. The team was fearless, and then you know not only could he run the scheme, but it's the it's the things he could do outside the scheme that were special. You know, putting balls in windows that only a few quarterbacks in football could do, or running around the edge for sixty yards, and he was the only quarterback in football that could really do that. So yeah, he has shown that he can play at a really high special level. The big thing is what we started off the conversation. It's been five years. It's not going to be easy. I don't care how gifted you are to get back in the swing of things and playing football and quarterback. It's hard enough to be good when you're a backup or third stringer and you don't get enough reps, let alone doing that. So that's going to be the other piece of the puzzle we got to watch here. Yeah, I mean, this is five key years of experience that he's lost. He's 34. He would be in that sweet spot right now if he had been playing all along where the physical skills remain the experience, the yeah. database that he can access in his brain of everything he's seen would have evolved to the point where you're coach on the field and you carry that from 34 as long as your physical skills last, whether it's 37, 38, 39, whatever. He still has plenty of good football left in him if he had been playing all along. But he entered the league the same year as Andy Dalton. They were back-to-back selections in the second round in 2011, a year before Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson, a year after, two years after, Matthew Stafford, for crying out loud. So this is a guy who, if he was still playing, would still be in his prime and entering an area right now where he'd have the experience where he'd, he'd be tough to stop because he'd walk up to the line of scrimmage and he would, he would have a pretty good idea what you're going to try to do to stop him. And you win that guessing game with those physical tools, you have a huge edge. Yeah, but he, right. he, he doesn't have that now. For the last five years, all he's been doing is working out on his own, uh, staying ready for this opportunity. And and let me ask you this, Chris. Yeah. What, what teams out there, like let's assume that the Raiders give him the workout, they don't sign him, but they've opened the door for the other teams to realize the football world will continue to spin if you do indeed give the guy a workout, what other teams should be interested in bringing him in? Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. Not, I, not to sign him, but yeah. to see what he has. Right. Well, to me, like it, it is, it would be that type of team we're talking about that we've kind of discussed here, where you got a starter that is, he's the man. We all know it. He's not threatened or worried about. Oh gosh, the other guy in the locker room here that plays quarterback. He's got a bigger crowd of media around him every day. So it's going to have to be that kind of guy, I think. You're going to have to have a guy that's established and confident in who he is. And then I think kind of like what we're talking about with the backup quarterback situation to a degree of just like, hey, we got okay, but we don't got anything special. Let's see if we can get this guy in here to do that and maybe be special. You know? So there's 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 a number of places I think of. I mean, one, Dallas would be a place, but I know that's not going to happen. But the scenario is right. You know, I, when I first heard it yesterday, too, I thought, well, wait, would Philadelphia think about this? They're kind of running that offense, certainly. Baltimore has come to my mind, too, with Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson and all of that. I think you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're good there. Lamar's the guy. He's the man. 
Um, but I think that's kind of the formula I would be comfortable with. I think if I was a head coach, would be something along those lines. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, I, I, need to I, look ha- some I other hesitate teams here, but yeah, I, hes- I hesitate to say this, but because I really don't feel like dealing with two and on, but well, yeah, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be like, he'd take a chance and he'd fit there what they want to do and how they want to play. And they're going to move the quarterback and all that. Yeah, I get that. But I don't think that they won't do it because of what you're saying. They're the perfect example of the opposite. Because he's going to go there, and they're all going to go, damn, he's faster than Tua, and damn, he's throwing lasers out here. And I, I and it's going to be threatening to Tua. So to me, Tua's not established enough yet for that spectacle, at least in, in my opinion. Would Derek Carr be able to handle Colin Kaepernick getting all that attention? I think he can. Think he Derek would- Carr proved it to me the last few years with how he handled Gruden and everything. Like He's, he's the general. He's got it. He's the sheriff. There's no doubt. So I, I do think he can handle it. I, I know, you know, hey, we all look at Derek Carr sometimes and go, oh, he's a nerd. He's a dork. He is who he is. He owns it, and he loves football. And as we've seen, the team loves him. We know that. We, know, we hear it from too many people, and they say it too much. He has got a way about him that players like, a.k.a. Devontae Adams left Aaron Rodgers to go there to be with him. And I think that says a lot about the guy, too. Before we pivot to the news that was created yesterday by John Gruden, I do want to say one thing. We didn't we didn't waste 10 minutes at the top of the show talking about whatever like we sometimes do because we got right into the news. Yeah. But I will say this. I will say this. Right. And it remains to be seen what kind of reaction we get from the time we've spent today talking about Colin Kaepernick. Will I have emails saying, why are you talking about Colin Kaepernick? Well, there's a reason to talk about it. He had a workout yesterday for the first time in more than five years. And what happens next? So we had every reason to talk about it. There will be people who complain about it. I was convinced yesterday, after all the time we spent out of the gates talking about the latest American mass murder in Uvalde, Texas, that yeah. there would be equal parts, stick to sports, along with I thought so emails. Too. Yeah. Let me tell you something. And it's still happening today. It's good. You got good Not feedback, right? a single negative response yeah. via email. Uh. Not a single one. Now, Twitter, I haven't really looked, but I'm sure that you know yeah, Twitter is going to Twitter. But, but the emails that I have gotten, every single one, and there haven't been just two or three, every single one of them has been positive to the messages we were sending, to the idea that enough, that change needs to come, that we can't get complacent or numb, and that real steps need to be taken to ensure that weapons of war cannot be purchased on a kid who just happened to turn 18 and wants to go buy himself something that is designed for one thing and one thing only. To kill. To kill a whole lot of people quickly. Right. Right. It's encouraging, Mike. When When you sent the text yesterday to say you're getting positive reviews, I was... Because you know, shows like that yesterday, they're stressful. They are. I do worry about the backlash. 
I can't be totally honest all the time with some of the thoughts and the things I really want to say because I don't want to get fired or really piss everybody off at degree. So it, I was wondering where it was going to go. But I do think, like, the one thing, you know, to your what you're alluding to is I, I think, like, it's official. I do think people maybe have had enough here. And that's that's what I think you, you saw in your email box where it's finally like, we don't give a damn anymore. Right, left, whatever party, whatever. This crap has got to end. And I think everybody's at their wit's end with this, with all this stuff. At, at a bare minimum, at a bare minimum, the ability of an 18-year-old kid to walk into a store and buy a weapon of war. You know, most other guns... Have alternative reasons. Shotgun, you're going hunting. Deer rifle, going hunting. Handgun, self-defense. These assault rifles are designed for one thing and one thing only. To kill as many people as possible as quickly as possible. That's why they're designed. That's why they're there. That, that, so, and to so 18 anyway. year olds, 18 year olds right. who like, I wouldn't like most of them. I'm not letting them do anything for me in life. Anything. I don't trust you. You're 18, but we're going to give you the deadliest killing machine on the planet. Yeah, sure. Can't sense. drink yet. Yeah. Can't drink yet. Right, But you could go out and point a gun and kill a bunch of people in 7.4 seconds. I know it's, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. When you say some of the things out loud. Not to go back down that path again, though. I just wanted to express appreciation to everybody who yeah, cool. who listened and who heard, and and who let us know. Uh, because when when we finish thirty five forty minutes of talking like that, you know you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you don't. Know. You don't know you're what's right. going to happen. Right. And yeah, and you do. And you so we still got a show to do. I'm I'm beat up. I'm worn out because you're watching everything you say because you don't want to turn everything upside down but i was it was very encouraging all day long and it's still lasting into the day Good. people who saw the show and and uh, understand the message we're sending agree with the message we're sending reasonable people of goodwill and sound mind should all agree with that message this shouldn't be something that feels like we're tiptoeing through a minefield this should be something on which 95% plus of the population agrees if we want to live peacefully and safely in America. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's a place where your liberty bumps up against my life, and my life needs to win. And this is one of those areas. So let's see. Let's see uh, how that goes. All right. Speaking uh, of liberties. John Gruden. John Gruden. Yeah. Now, now, before we start down the John Gruden lawsuit against the NFL path, we need to establish – that he got fired because he sent some highly inappropriate emails. Yeah, yeah. Crappy To language. Bruce Allen, right. the former executive and ultimately president of the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. 2011, Gruden was working at ESPN, not working for any team, but he sent these emails, hateful, nasty, over-the-top, just just vile stuff offensive language in every direction and for the substance of the statements that he articulated he deserves a lot right that's right no doubt um, and he's gotten it he's endured it he has he's gotten what he deserved maybe and and maybe more the other side of the coin yeah and this is where his lawsuit comes from and this is where you have to always respect the rights of someone, no matter how unpopular they may be, or no matter how ugly the conduct they engaged in, because people still have rights. Right. And it's more important 
to respect their rights when it's very tempting to say, screw them. Yeah, screw you. They got, you got what they no deserve. Rights. You're, screw you're, your rights. Right. Yeah, yeah, screw right. your rights. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't fair. So John Gruden still has rights. Right. And his lawsuit against the NFL and Roger Goodell filed in Nevada argues that the league office, the NFL, interfered with his business relationship with the Raiders by leaking emails that forced him out. That once those emails came out, once they were handed to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and again, and again, this isn't a case of high-level sleuthing by the Times or the Wall Street Journal. Nobody's digging around in dumpsters, piecing together shredded documents. <laughs> this is, and, and, and there are some in the business who get mad when I say that because they like to maintain this allure that there's some great mystery to what we do. Bullshit. We're handed things all the time. 98% of the news that is broken in the NFL world is something that someone handed to a reporter affirmatively, without the reporter even asking it. It's something that someone wants to get out, yep. either to curry favor with the reporter so the reporter doesn't exercise his or her discretion to criticize at some point, and that's part of the price you pay when you're in this quid pro quo trade so you can get the release five minutes before it gets sent out by the team. Or just, hey, I, I want to screw this guy. Screw John Gruden. I want to get this out there. How do I do it? Hmm, I'll give it to the media. Who do I give it to? Well, let me give it to some let me give it to some newspapers that really have some heft, yeah. that have gravitas. The Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Let's give it to them. And then as soon as those emails are out there, and it started with a few, right? And and I think what they were doing, if I think back to that time in October, and it's all happening during football season, Chris, but what they were doing is, you know, they, they, it's like the old, you know, I'm showing you my sword a little bit. You know, they, they're pulling the sword out of the sheath. Hey, look what we got here, John Gruden. You better walk away while you can. Hey, Mark Davis, you better get rid of this guy while you can. Oh, you're not going to? Well, here's more of the sword. And now you got to walk away. I feel like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Somebody was leaking these it's just in why? degrees, yeah. in levels, until... Until there was no choice. Right. See, Mark, and, and look, whether you agree or disagree with what happened to John Gruden, Mark Davis should have been able to make that decision without those emails becoming public because these were documents from this 650,000 email trove that they refused to release to the public. So all of that stuff, all that stuff's going to be secret. The stuff about Gruden should have been secret too. And Mark Davis should have been able to make his decision about John Gruden without being pushed to do it by having everyone see these emails. And it's like, well, we got no choice. He's got to go. Can't stay. Once these are out, can't, there's no way you can stay. I can't even make a decision now. I can't say, well, it was 2011. You weren't even working for me. It's not relevant to me, right? I can't do that. You're out. You're gone. I, you got to go. You can't stay. And that's the argument. The NF, Gruden believes the NFL forced Mark Davis's hand, forced Gruden out by leaking these emails. So, so bottom line. Well, is, let me ask you this. In- Do you think that the emails were known any time before this a little bit, that they were there, like you're saying, and the fact that maybe Mark Davis didn't react the way they want, they felt like they had to release maybe more of them? You know, I, I mean, you know it's, it's something I never really thought about, but I was sitting there listening to you. As you go, maybe maybe they realized Mark Davis wasn't going to make the right decision. Again, I'm not. I'm just throwing this out there for for conversation, for thought. I don't know that, but it's just something that has crossed my brain, and, and it did there when you were talking about this. 
I was told at the time that the league knew about them in June. Now, I don't know why it wasn't brought to a head in June. Mm-hmm. And, and the week that this was all happening, the NFL was in the process of putting together a packet of information that was sent to Mark Davis based upon what was found in these emails right. from right. John Gruden. Um, you, 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 you could argue, you could argue the mere act of carving off the emails from one company's server that are being regarded as private by the NFL as the conduit from one independent company to another independent company and sharing that information, right? Um, That in and of itself, you could argue, is tortious interference with John Gruden's business relationship with his current employer. Yeah. I mean, let, let's let's try to think of a different context here, and I'm right. doing this on the fly, so bear with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, cool. Let's say, let's say that John Gruden was an executive at Coca-Cola. Right. Okay? No, not, not even that. It's, it's not even that extreme. My God, it's worse than that from the standpoint of interference by the league. Let's say John Gruden wasn't working for anybody. And he sent some emails to a buddy at Coca-Cola. Yeah, that's what it was. Some, right. some inappropriate emails to a buddy at Coca-Cola. And then a decade later, he's working for Pepsi. And there's a trade association out there, the, the American Soft Drink Manufacturers Association. And they catch wind of the emails that were sent by John Gruden to Coca-Cola. And they decide they're going to send him to Pepsi to get the guy in trouble. I mean, just on the surface, yeah. there's something about it that stinks. Yeah, no doubt. Again, not, not defending John Gruden. Oh, no, right, right. But the NFL just serving as the conduit to Mark Davis in the first place stinks. But then when Mark Davis doesn't do what you want him to do, leaking these things to reporters, if this is true, if the allegations are true, leaking these things to reporters to get him fired, that's, that's despicable. It's heinous. It's every bit as bad as the content of the emails that John Gruden sent. It's weaponizing these documents that are supposedly secret with the end in mind of getting John Gruden out of his job. It really, it re- and look, yeah, I got like a problem with what John Gruden did, almost, but I yeah. got a problem with what was done to him. Yeah, you can have both. I think it's fair to have both feelings there. And they go, yeah, that ain't cool, John Gruden, Coach Gruden. That ain't cool. That language, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's wrong, not cool. But you can also go, damn, that's really screwed up by the NFL too. There's no doubt about it. And, and both things can be true, as Pete's saying in my ear. And, you know, again, where I don't want it to be misconstrued here either, but, man, am I, I'm, I'm, I was so happy to see this news yesterday. And I know it doesn't, it's not final yet, but, oh, my gosh. I mean, if Gruden can win this, this is going to be great. It's going to be something you've talked about all the time. We're going to be out of the kangaroo court. We're going to get to hear some of the, the dirty details of the NFL. Some of their dirty laundry is going to be made public. And you don't see that happen with the NFL very much. But this one well, might be the one that does it. And that's what happened yesterday. The same day that Colin Kaepernick got his workout with the Raiders, John Gruden went to court. They had a hearing on two motions made by the NFL. Motion to dismiss his lawsuit entirely for failure to state a claim. Basically, hey, if everything in there is true, he still can't get relief in this court system. That motion was denied by the judge from the bench during the hearing. And also the motion to compel arbitration, the motion to send the case to Roger Goodell's secret rigged kangaroo court. I'm going to keep calling it that, folks. I don't care if you don't like it. It's what it is. 
NFL, secret rigged kangaroo court. That's where they wanted it to be, to keep it all quiet, to keep it all hidden, and to get the outcome they want. The judge denied that, too. From the bench, Chris. Yeah, explain that. because Judges, that with say, say, judges yeah. rarely bang the gavel and issue a ruling from the bench. Even Wapner took five minutes to go back <laughs> to go back to his room and come back and give you a decision. Rarely does a judge. I mean, that is spiking the football in the face of the losing party yeah. when you issue the ruling from the bench. They typically... And I'd be Act lying like they're if thinking I said about I, it. I'd, I'd, I'd be lying. I'd be lying if I said it hasn't happened to me on both sides, frankly, at one time or another during the 19 years I practiced law. But but usually they take the case under advisement. We'll take it under advisement and then I'll, I'll get back to you with my decision. And then a week or two later, you get the decision. No, this is this is the judge did her homework. She knew where the wind was blowing. She knew where this outcome needed to go. She went to the hearing and she heard absolutely nothing from the NFL's lawyers to change her mind. Boom. Knock on wood if you're with me. Boom. Bang the gavel. And she's with John Gruden. And now, 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 the NFL's already said they're going to appeal. Of course. And Chris, Chris, the St. Louis relocation lawsuit against the NFL and the Rams was tied up in court for five years on the question of whether or not St. Louis would have to arbitrate. They went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court on that issue. They will push and push and push as far as they can because they don't want the light of day to be exposed to these facts. They don't want this stuff coming out. They don't want us to know who ordered the code red. They want it all to go into their secret rig kangaroo process. So they will fight and fight and fight and fight and take it to the highest court in the land to try to keep from having to fight John Gruden in open court. I guarantee you that. They well, did it with yeah, St. No Louis. Doubt, no They'll doubt. do it with Gruden. Right? I mean, I, I, I just I, – this, this, this is to me where the NFL starts to show their real power. And really the, the oligarchs start to show, oh, wait, yeah, I got this judge and this lawyer and, and the president and everybody here right on speed dial. We, we need to call some people now and really go full through. Like, that's where I think the NFL – Goes well, to another it's when level act, here. Well, well it's, this is when they act a lot like a certain failed former politician who can't admit that he was wrong. Well, they're going to pull all and the sue strings. And sue and sue and go to every court possible yeah. and lose in all but one of them. And, and that, that's what the NFL will do. They that's will not like. acknowledge they were wrong. Right. They will not acknowledge that the case should play out in court. They will fight and they will fight and they will fight. Because they, they don't want to fight John Gruden in court. They don't want this stuff coming out. And we want it to. Yeah. We want it to for a couple of reasons. One, we want to know what happened. We want the truth, and we know we're not going to get the truth if it plays out in the secret rigged kangaroo court of Roger Goodell. And number two, sometimes it's nice to see Big Shield get its comeuppance when somebody did something they shouldn't have done. And the bottom line is, whoever it was, whether it was the NFL whether it was Roger Goodell, whether it was Daniel Snyder, whoever ordered the code red yeah. deserves to be exposed and held accountable for it. It wasn't well so thought out. It's far more likely to happen in court than in the secret rig kangaroo court. Yeah, no, I, I'm, 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 I, I hope we can get there. I mean, I'm hopeful, but I don't know if I really believe that we will. I, I, I don't. I mean, again, that, like you've discussed and like we've said, this is where the NFL seems to – Pull all the right strings and has, you know, not, incredible not, power. Not against here. St. Louis. I know. Not against St. So, Louis. So that's where I was going to say, like, though, to, to that, like, 
you know, I, I, I mean, the magnitude, the fact that it's Gruden. I mean, everybody knows John Gruden. That, and then that this is also connected to the Washington thing here. I, I it just, I don't know. Do you think because of the public uh, nature of all this and some of the names and how long the story is going to be going here, do you think that this is one that the NFL might have a harder time kind of swiping under the rug compared to, to other ones in other years? I, I Look, they've already lost at the district court level, at the lowest court level. We'll see what the appeals courts do in Nevada. I didn't think their argument was very strong in the first place. They're trying to bootstrap together this notion that John Gruden is bound by the NFL's constitution and bylaws to pursue the claim through arbitration there. It was a weak argument in the first place. But again, they're going to throw everything they have at this because the mandate's going to be keep this thing out of court. Whatever we do, spend whatever it takes, we can't allow this thing to be in court. So I, I, it's, it's one thing to have a coaching contract that has clear language in it requiring you to pursue your claims in arbitration. That's a little bit harder to wiggle out from under. The argument the NFL was trying to make against Gruden, to me, was a lot more more difficult for the league. So I'm holding out hope. Even if it takes five years at the end of the day, we're going to get access to things. We're going to find out about things. And then it's going to be like St. Louis, where, for example, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch gets documents showing that when Stan Kroenke bought the land at Hollywood Park, that he knew damn well he wanted to build a stadium and move the Rams there. And the Rams and the league got together and said, how do we keep this secret and, well, we just can't say anything about it. And Roger Goodell goes to a press conference and acts like he doesn't know anything about it, even though he does. That's what the documents show. And then five years later, Roger Goodell at a press conference confronted with that, basically pulls the, the shaggy Eddie Murphy line and says, it wasn't me. Didn't do it. And they move on to the next question. We may be there five years from now where some stuff comes out that forces Roger Goodell, if he's still the commissioner then, to act like he didn't say what he said. When the documents will show that it was said, that it was done. We only get access to that. If John Gruden ultimately prevails, so uh, Team Gruden, sorry, we both got we both got our, our black on today. We we are. Uh, I guess we're team, we're Raiders fans first. First, we're Raiders on, fans. We're wearing black because of the Raiders. That's why. On this point of exposing what happened, right. what the NFL did, it's not Team Gruden on the standpoint of what he did, but both things can be true. He did something wrong. They did something wrong. Today is about them doing something wrong, and having it exposed. So from that perspective, Team Gruden, yeah. and only from that perspective. Yep. And Team Raiders, go Raiders. The Raiders. Um, and, and Gruden said yesterday, coming out of court, we're going to let the process take that. care of itself. Good <laughs> go luck Ra- to the Raiders. <laughs> go Raiders. I love it. I don't have anything else to comment <laughs> on. The process will take care of itself. It's good to be back in Vegas. I'm going to go see friends tonight. Uh, I, I, hey, last night was a cause for celebration again. What he did was wrong, but what was done to him, the way it was done, was wrong. And it's not the first time something like that's happened. And uh, hopefully this time someone's hand was caught in the cookie jar, just like Gruden's was, and he got his. Somebody else did something they shouldn't have done, and maybe they're going to get theirs. We'll see. Let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, When we return, some important updates, OTA style. Regarding some pretty big name quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.